0: Someone said that these podcasts can sometimes seem very abstract and it would be helpful to have some concrete examples occasionally. So here is one. One of the assumptions that we make about the world, one of our inbuilt values, is that we know, we have a very clear idea of what constitutes prosperity. Now by prosperity, I don't mean having enough to eat, I don't mean having somewhere to sleep, somewhere to live, having clothes on your back. I think there are certain basic needs that everybody should find themselves in possession of, with access to, but that isn't prosperity. Prosperity is very much like what I called in the last series, finding an end in itself. Having the time, the opportunity, either to spend your time in leisured activity that is a reward in its own right, or, if you're even more fortunate, finding yourself employed in something where you get paid for something that you'd happily do for nothing. Both of those circumstances would seem to me to be indicators of someone who is prosperous. But a great many of the world's difficulties stem from a distorted view of prosperity in which we have no conception of whether or what constitutes enough and where we think that having more is always a solution to any deficiencies or shortcomings in what we have at the moment. The solution is always more, even though it may involve more of the same, and the same is the problem that we've inherited. So our assumptions about prosperity lead us in certain directions. They lead us to do certain things. They encourage us to work in certain ways for rewards construed in certain ways. And everything is predicated on the notion that if we work hard and earn money and buy more and have the capacity to spend more and perhaps have a bigger house, a bigger car, more children, whatever it might be, that this view of prosperity is a sort of given. Something that everybody aspires to, everybody accepts, everybody knows is the way to go. But perhaps it isn't perhaps this is also a protection racket it persuades us to engage in forms of life to conduct experiments in life in the concepts that Dewey and Mill advocated that are all to be measured by a standard that were we to look at it more I'm going to say objectively but or wisely, perhaps, would seem fraudulent. You do not become happy by acquiring more things if you are not happy already. You do not become fulfilled by acquiring more power or fame or notoriety if you are essentially unhappy with yourself. If at the root of the drive that pushes you towards prosperity conceived in this rather thin way, then you are probably in the when in holes stop digging position but unable to see it. Rather like the addict for whom the only solution or salvation arises from stopping the addiction, whether it be to drugs, alcohol, nicotine, sleeping tablets, or anything else. There comes a point at which it's necessary to call halt, to say enough. Where I am going is not where I want to go if I haven't found my way to something where I can find contentment by pursuing this course for so long, then perhaps I should try a different course. Because the thing that I am striving for in order to achieve eudaimonia, happiness, fulfillment, contentment, Satisfaction, whatever it might be, abundance, it might be the very means that prevents me from finding those things. It might be a protection racket. One of the ways that human civilization maintains itself, is to persuade us to argue about one thing when the real issue lies entirely elsewhere. This is an example of what the conjurer calls misdirection, of directing attention to something insignificant while all the trickery is being done by the other hand out of sight or where you would rather the audience were not looking. And I think that truth falls into this category. Human societies preserve themselves by directing our energies into futile arguments about metaphysical assumptions that have no real bearing upon the course of the world because they don't want us to realise what is really at stake and what is really both supported and potentially destroyed by the real issues that are in dispute Take, for example, prosperity. Politicians, who are really just examples of us all, like us to think that prosperity is something we all understand and should work towards by doing an honest day's work in return for an honest day's pay. And generally supporting the entire system of values, worthwhileness and what matters that a particular country or tribe or culture or whatever it might be or even the human race as a whole has come to endorse. Nobody wants anybody to look at the question whether this is really what we want. If one were to lay an axe to the root of the tree called prosperity by our tribe, our modern world, it would have far greater economic consequences than any advent of AGI because everyone would start to say... I am not prepared to do any more than I need to do to obtain what I need to obtain in order to establish the minimum conditions for existence so that I can spend my life doing something quite different that doesn't involve the expenditure of vast amounts of money. In this respect, the mega-rich the super-yacht owners, the people who go on flights into space on a mere whim, just serve to encourage the others, to encourage us all to aspire to the same kind of prosperity that their wealth supposedly entitles them to, or at least makes accessible to them. What the country, the world doesn't want is for us to question the very notion of prosperity that is enshrined in those iconic activities. Decide that you don't want a super yacht or even a big yacht or even a boat, that you don't want a Rolls-Royce or a Bentley or a Ferrari or a Maserati or a Lamborghini or indeed a car that you are perfectly happy, indeed more than happy, to endorse a completely different set of values and the world will tremble because that is not the way the system is supposed to work. So in a dispute, for example, about productivity the question that needs to be asked is not whether we are being sufficiently productive or how we can become more productive. The question is what kind of prosperity does this productivity serve? And if it's a notion of prosperity that turns out to be fraudulent or in a sense more ominously a protection racket, a notion of prosperity that enslaves us to the very things that we find most troublesome. Then, the system is called into question. Now, everybody can see that the old adage about Little fleas have smaller fleas upon their back to bite them, and so ad infinitum has many, many ways in which it can be applied. And it certainly isn't the case that the mega-rich are controlling everything in order to make themselves richer. It's much more the case that the system itself is incapable of imagining or imaging anything else. The system thinks that we have no choice but to endorse this particular notion of prosperity. And one of the things I think we need to consider is whether that's actually in our best interests whether it's, in other words, true. Thank you for listening.